if, if we think about the terrorist attacks where we had such a tragedy, we rebuilt a city and people sought comfort from others. And then we compare that with, let's say, a hurricane and something we're dealing with currently. It doesn't affect such a large population, although now with the fires, it's affecting a, a bit of a larger population. But we're rebuilding families and communities, and there's more internal family dysfunction in terms of financial dysfunction, divorce. And now we have the COVID pandemic, and that really deals with both. We're dealing with difficulties in society as well as dealing with difficulties in families. So we really have a global problem in society and then also on a smaller scale within families and relationship as well as those needs within families and smaller communities. It really combines two tragedies that at least in my lifetime has have never faced in such a global sense. This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger, I'm gonna enjoy your show, I'm gonna With my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome to the Third Act Podcast, focused on spotlighting individuals and organizations that are making a difference in our communities. I first want to express a big thank you to everyone that sent in kind notes, emails, and phone calls last week. After the first podcast, it means a lot. And it encourages me to keep pushing ahead to see if we can make a difference uh, in the lives of others. I also want to thank again, Kimber Bishop Yankee for her time and great discussion last week. It was nice to have a great guest for the first podcast. I'd like to ask for your help to spread the word about the podcasts, about the newsletter, and also about the website. I need and appreciate your feedback. Please keep it coming. If you think it's a good read or a good program, good podcast that hits a chord with you, please forward it to your friends and family. I would appreciate that very much. Today, I have the privilege to talk to another great guest that is helping people all across Detroit of all ages. She has focused her career to help people dealing with a very serious topic, mental health. So many people are affected by the pandemic shock and the shutdown and don't know how to deal with it in a logical, therapeutic manner. I have talked with many people over the last six months, both young and old, that are having an extremely difficult time coming to terms with the pandemic and what lies ahead for them. It is not an easy subject. I recognize that. But I believe it is healthy and a good thing to talk about. And I believe from Ellen's comments, we can receive some good advice to help us all cope with this new environment. Therefore, I'd like to introduce my guest, Ellen Tabeck, 
a clinical psychotherapist that has been working with people for over 30 years, helping them deal with life's difficulties. Ellen has received two master's degrees in social work and healthcare administration and began her career opening inpatient psychiatric hospitals for children and young adults in Detroit. From there, she started the mental health management care program at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Michigan. And check this out, while raising two sets of twins, she decided to enter the field of clinical psychotherapy. She worked contractually for the Henry Ford Healthcare System and went on to open her own practice over the last 20 years. She she currently has her own practice in Bloomfield Hills and visits with clients frequently with her handy companion, Baxter. That's her dog. (laughs) She is the corporate therapist for the Bedrock Detroit Management Company. Many of you may associate that with Dan Gilbert. And she is currently on the board of directors of the Detroit Jewish Family Services Group and enjoys many ways to volunteer her time. Hello, Ellen. Welcome. Thank you, Roger. That sounded great. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing the podcast and thanks for bringing some light into this very uh, important and sometimes heavy subject. And thank you for putting your time and effort into helping our listeners get a better understanding of what they can do to deal with this overstressed and high anxiety time we're living in. I think if you talk to any therapist these days, and as I talk to my colleagues, we're all finding the same thing, an increase of referrals, increase in need for help. People are feeling increased anxiety and depression, as we can understand some changes in sleeping, eating, concentrating, health problems, self-medicating, using more drugs and alcohol, and just reaching out in terms of how can you help? What can you do? So definitely an increase of calls of people needing help. More first-time callers, actually. There definitely is increased depression and anxiety as a whole. Yeah, I can believe that. You mentioned to me that the COVID pandemic, when it hit hard in March, it was very similar to a major hurricane, a major tornado, a major loss of life, such as 9-11. And that COVID can relate to our minds and our attitudes and our feelings like one of those major events. How this is different, if, if we think about the terrorist attacks where we had such a tragedy, we rebuilt a city and people sought comfort from others. And then we compare that with, let's say, a hurricane and something we're dealing with currently. It doesn't affect such a large population, although now with the fires, it's affecting a, a bit of a larger population. But we're rebuilding families and communities, and there's more internal family dysfunction in terms of financial dysfunction, divorce. And so now we have the COVID pandemic, and that really deals with both. We're dealing with difficulties in society as well as dealing with difficulties in families. So we really have a global problem in society, which affects society and relationships and how we function in society. And then also on a smaller scale within families and relationship and families, as well as those needs within families and smaller communities. It really combines 
two tragedies that I, at least in my lifetime has have never faced in such a global sense. I understand. And you made a, a point in a presentation you provided me that the pandemic is similar to your grief model that you've talked about. So I know that the pandemic is different. I know there's no really set playbook for it, but talk about it from the grief model standpoint, what you think is important for us to understand. Early on, what I saw with a lot of my clients is that many people in terms of their depression were actually grieving. I've worked quite a bit with a model that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross presented in 1969, and she had five stages of grief. And I was seeing this in a lot of my clients because they were mourning uh, the world as they knew it and trying to figure out how to live this different life. And they were going through five different stages and just basically the five stages begin with denial. And at first, people were minimizing their sense of pain and their sense of loss. And then what I felt, people were coming into feeling somewhat angry. And there seemed to be more anger and emotional outlet. And anger almost go hand in hand. And sometimes people who are anxious, it's expressing anger. And I was seeing quite a bit of this. Then we have bargaining where people were trying to figure out how they were going to deal with this. Some people were looking at it spiritually or other ways, other groups. Then depression hit. And that's where we saw, or I did with my clients, I saw more sadness. I saw people more self-medicating. I saw more symptoms of depression where I would see more vegetative disturbances, which would include maybe problems sleeping or eating. And then lastly, would be the acceptance. I'm seeing bits of this, very little, but bits now as we continue to go through now into the fall where I think people are seeing, okay, we're done with the summer and maybe this isn't going to end as soon as I thought it would. I don't know if we'll ever completely accept this, but there are stages and they're not linear. We don't go through them A, B, C, and D, um, which I think is very important. So I don't want people to misunderstand and think that once they're done bargaining, they're going to go into depression. But these are different stages that people experience at different times as part of grief. We're all in the same boat. You're not alone. And we're all grieving in one way or another. Right. Of course. And you made the point that it can affect everything from relationships, families, children. Relationships. People need people. We all need a sense of belonging. We all want to belong. And if there's anything that the pandemic did, it changed the way that we relate to others as individuals, as well as in groups. In in terms of family dynamics, I've seen family dynamics across the board. I must say that I've seen a lot of improved relationships. I do believe that we can benefit in some ways because families have had to stay together and they've wanted to learn how to communicate in a healthy way with their spouse and with their children and figure it out. And they've taken access of some therapeutic techniques and workbooks and other uh, means to communicate without conflict, as I call it. 
and in a way to express their feelings to one another. And we talked about having family groups and having family meetings, the need for routine, the need to have chores, how to deal with your children, especially now in families as parents now are teaching their children in the home and how to look at that as an advantage of getting to know your children. A lot of kids have expressed that they've enjoyed time spending with their parents and parents have also said they've really gotten to know their children, sure. which is a real positive and a lot of family time they've been doing. Socially, especially for kids, it's been very difficult because they haven't been able to socialize as they right, once right. were able to. I have to say that it's great that we have the internet, which has helped a lot. When I grew up, we did not have the internet. It would have been probably meeting between windows of houses, but it's really worked out nicely for kids. And I think parents are trying to do their best to carve out time for kids and parents are are coming up with ways they're thinking outside of the box as far as teaching groups of kids. They they call them pods to get kids together and groups socially distant. So I think there's amazing ways that, yes, it really has been disruptive in many relationships, no doubt. But I'm also finding that it is helping improve relationships. Right. how we function and people learning ways uh, to function more effectively where maybe they didn't take the time to learn these techniques before. Absolutely. Let's take an example of if you have a spouse or a child that's not really dealing with the situation is becoming even more quiet or more insular. How would you advise family members, loved ones to talk about it from your perspective? What a great question. If there's anything as a therapist, I'm hoping and I am seeing that this has brought a bright light to the openness of mental health. And hopefully people see this as is a benefit to ask for help because the reality is this is a time of life. I think that we all need help and we've always all needed help, but it's the stigma hopefully is going to go away. If you have any family member, no matter what the age is, but particularly a child and or an adolescent that you're concerned about, please, I encourage people to reach out to others In terms of the mental health system, and I hear this from people, therapists are busy, private therapists, but there still is not a reason to look for a therapist. There's quite a few therapists out there that specialize in different things. If you call one therapist, you can, and if they're not accepting new clients, you can ask them if they have any recommendation. All communities have community mental health centers that can direct you. So there are resources, Department of Social Services, that is run by the state. And so there are plenty. If you look, if you Google, you'll find plenty of resources, even by the federal government, that can lead you. One of the things I can't emphasize enough, and I've taken quite a few trainings on suicide awareness, right, is that if you question, if you wonder, take it seriously. In fact, I had... a a young boy yesterday at a college out of state. He isn't even actually my client, but he's a friend of my clients. And as my client told me about this 
boy who seemed to be suicidal, I made a point of calling the parent. If you think, if you're concerned, always take whatever you think as far as you can. Never take a chance on that. Suicide rates are up, and I think we all have to listen to each other and take everything seriously at this point. I agree. I agree. If you don't mind, I'm going to switch a little bit to the uh, corporate world. Your experience at uh, Bedrock in Detroit is uh, interesting to me, and I think it will be interesting to our listeners. Uh, You're working with, I don't know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of people at the company, and you're their corporate therapist. Uh, Give us a sense of how that is set up versus your current private practice. First. I'm at Bedrock, which is one of the Rock family of companies, and there's probably maybe 600 employees there. Right. Um, At one time, I had employees from the company, and this is, I've been there five years now, coming down to my office, and it would be quite late by the time I got out of my office. Oh, I'm sure. I have always felt the need for therapists to be on site, just as school social workers should be on site. I think therapists should be on site as well. So I did propose to the company at that time that I would give up one day of my practice to the company. I make myself available, not to my private practice, but to the corporation to their employees. So employees are able to schedule time with to meet with me. It's a wonderful benefit that Bedrock offers their employees. I see them for brief therapy sessions, maybe no more than I would say three to five sessions. If it's for longer term, I'll refer them to another therapist. If we have a relationship, I might see them here, but usually not. Usually I send them out Or there is also a program called Employee Assistance Program that corporations and most businesses have relationships with that I can refer them to. Right, right. It's been great. And particularly now, because we're dealing with a different population as far as employees working from home and having their children and feeling isolated at home versus going to the office. And I think it's been really helpful. And I've been able to do some presentations for the company as far as anxiety and how to deal with some mental health issues. No, that's great. And and if you don't mind, you mentioned this morning when we had a little chat about your daughter and how she's trying to deal with a new work environment in California. But that's just an easy example that We know so many people that are dealing with this new hybrid or work at home sort of model. How do you help them deal with it? And what are you advising them to think about or work through their sort of new uh, work environment, so to speak? I was able to see it firsthand with my daughter who, who began a new job in a very large corporation in California during the pandemic. And to have to start virtually was is a very difficult process because all the people in, in the department knew each other and she's entering the department. So that was able to give me a real life experience at Bedrock when I worked with some employees that were in that exact same position. And then I could also work with leaders of the corporation to give them the other side of it as far as welcoming new employees right. and 
difficult it was for them because they were coming into a corporation where people have already formed relationships and they all knew each other. And then this new person was coming in and we get so busy with our day. We don't even realize sometimes how other people are struggling. No, absolutely. So I think, and and especially when we're doing things virtually, we just take it for granted. Oh, there's a new face. It's taking time out to listen more carefully to others and what others' needs are and not taking things so much for granted. Do you think that this uh, sort of hybrid model of work, both at the job site and at home, is going to be with us for some time? Do you anticipate through your experience at Bedrock that this is going to be something that many more uh, businesses are going to have to structure to retain employees and also help them deal with the new structure and the new environment. I'm sure many companies are going to go through quite a transformation without a doubt. I think there's a lot of pluses for companies in learning new ways of working, whether it's going to be hybrid or another way. I think they can use this to their advantage economically and they'll find a way. I'm a people person. I thrive on other people. And so I'm sure there's going to be a need for people being with people. I just think that's what keeps us all going. This pandemic will end and I look forward to us all being together again. But I think we'll always be able to utilize the internet more effectively now that we've had to. So you think Zoom and teletherapy is going to be with us for a while? It's interesting because I never, as a therapist, I was never a supporter of teletherapy thinking that it wouldn't provide me with the connection that I had in face-to-face. However, I, I proved myself wrong in that now doing teletherapy, which I primarily do, I'm finding it very effective. Good. And my clients are as well. So I am very supportive of that as a means uh, to connect. I want to finish with the uh, discussion about how we can help our listeners deal with situations that are personal to them. I ask you if you could give us five different pieces of advice that listeners could take hold of, use possibly in their own personal situations. What do you think would be a good takeaway from this discussion? One of the things, and one of the things actually I got from you, Roger, and there's a quote that really struck me. The pandemic is a terrible thing to waste. And I think you're a result of that, Roger, that have having COVID, what you've gained from your experience. So one of the things that I encourage people, and I know it's easier said than done by far, but to look at those things that you can be grateful for rather than the things that you lost. And I'm sure if there are silver linings, if we can reach deep enough and to try not to live in fear, to talk to other people, we're all in this together, to not judge, to be more validating of what other people have lost. Some of us are very fortunate It doesn't mean we're all fortunate. I found that getting out and helping others is just very rewarding and sharing with others the resources out there. I think it's been helpful to learn to live with less and also how helpful it is to be a good citizen. And I believe in wearing masks and everyone trying to help each other out and thinking about 
the fellow man and connecting in a positive way. We're positive and we exude positive uh, energy. I think others will do that too. And it's particularly difficult now as we wear masks that we don't see people's smiles. That's been very difficult for me. And just looking at people not knowing the expression on their face. So just to say hello and let them know that I'm acknowledging their presence and getting that back, I think is just really important right now to make an effort to connect with others. Maybe you should give us, or if you don't mind giving us a sort of a parting sort of uh, glass half full expression that people can take away and help improve their lives today and going forward. Having gone through grief myself, we definitely, we've gone through, you know, the hardest times. And at times in our my own personal life, I feel like I've been at the bottom of the well. And at those times, especially with grief and depression, we feel like we're never going to get out. The reality is we do. We will get through this. The The world is not going to stay in this predicament, and we will get through this. I, th- I think the key to this is when I saw the football players becoming arm-in-arm arm with one another. I think that is the key, that we do this together. And I think we all will get through this, and we'll all remember. We're all going to be part of history and be able to, to talk about it and say, gosh, do you remember that? I'm already starting to say, wow, do you remember May and June, what was going on? We will get through this to try and be positive and look in forward in a positive way. There's a lot going on in the world right now is is far as social unjust. And I think it's even more important than ever that we treat each other with kindness. You mentioned previously some of the resources available to people that don't have a therapist, but go over those one more time, if you don't mind, just for people that uh, don't have someone like you to call on today. So what would they do? What should they do? Absolutely. First of all, you can Google any, you can even just put in your area and therapists will come up. There is a a psychology today that lists names of therapists in your area. There is Department of Social Services can help you. There's community mental health in every county that you can look at. Common Ground is a another resource. There are many resources out there. Just Google, ask your friends, and feel free to look at, no one looks in the phone book, but if a person was to call me, I would be glad to, if I wasn't taking new clients, I would be glad to give them names of people or help them look for new client or a new therapist. Fantastic. If anyone on this call would like to have more information or to be uh, put in touch with someone, please come through me. Then I'll ask Ellen and we'll get you the contacts you need to get you some help. So thank you very much. Ellen, I want to say thank you. Thank you for a great podcast and a lot of good information. And I want to thank you again for coming on and have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com.
with my third.